Welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Nick Frank, one of the owners of Frank Brothers Guitar Company, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Goff of Goff Custom Knives. How is it going? Very good, mate. Very good. How about you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm I'm feeling swamped. Yeah. yeah. What are you what are you swamped by? Um, well, you know, we're just balancing a bunch of things between production, getting the Haas up and running, um, nice. managing, you know, like the team. We're shorthanded now. Uh, right. so it's just, you know, it's it's just busy. Nice. Well, I mean, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, lots to do in the day, which is good. Yeah, Sometimes, good. do you ever feel like you walk, you like get to work, and you're like, I don't even know where to start, like, because you're not, you don't have that feeling of like, oh, I better do something because I have a lot to do. Yeah, I make lists. I like habitually make lists. Oh, really? Do you like yeah. fold a sheet of paper in half and like write something, a bunch of stuff no, on I, it? I keep um a pad of post-it notes on my desk. And basically, every time I think of something I need to do, I add it to the the bottom of the post-it note. And then every morning, I rewrite the post-it notes. With so, all like, those whenever... same things on it. Well, if I've done stuff, you know, and they've been crossed off, then I don't put them on that new one, obviously, right? So each day, it's like a reminder of the stuff that I have to do, like the new, you know, leftover stuff. Right. Um and it's just like if something pops into my brain suddenly, like, oh, I have to order more of that tool or, you know, whatever, then it's a really great way to keep track of those momentary thoughts rather than like losing track of them. That's good. Have you, you like the fact that it's a physical thing, not like digitized? You're yeah. such a computer nerd, I figured, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of backwards about some stuff, honestly. And like, that's one of them. Like, I, I think just having that post it on my desk. Like it comes to my attention much more easily mm -hmm. than like a digital list that might get minimized or, you know, hidden behind other stuff. I suppose that's kind of the part of the design of the post-it. You're supposed to like stick it right in front of your face. It's bright color. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But I, you know, as I said, like I, I rewrite it every, every day. Right. So like if, if nothing's changing, then I don't rewrite it. But if there are items that have been crossed off, then I'll rewrite it. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of like, I don't know. Like sometimes you'll just be like, I can't even be bothered. That thing's so unimportant. I can't even be bothered rewriting it. Right. It yeah, kind of gives then, you perspective. Yeah. If, uh, so, okay, this is a, maybe a dumb question. How big is this post-it? <laughs> oh, not very big. Yeah, they're just they're like, what, two and a half inches by two and a half inches? Something like that. Okay. Not very big. So you, 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 like, you pick like your top like most important things or your big ticket items? No, if there's like a, a ton of stuff I have to do, I'll have like multiple post-its. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Right. But like generally if that's happening, then it's like, I don't know, a sign that either I'm right in the middle of doing something or like stuff's fucked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, so if I walk into your shop one day and it's just covered in post-it notes, post notes, you'll be like, oh God, <laughs> poor, poor guy. Uh, yeah. I used to work with a guy who every morning he'd fold a piece of uh, printer paper in half and write mm -hmm. down make a list of all the things you have to do that day. And I've seen other people do that too. It seems mm. to be like kind of a common practice. And I never got into it myself, but I do like the idea of having that. I just, I, I, I feel like I'm not, um, I, I'm not that, uh, what's the word? Um, regimented. Right. Yeah. For me, I actually, so like, I don't do it. I rewrite it in the morning, but I don't write things down in the morning. Like I don't really generally add new stuff in the morning. Because like in the morning I'm dumb, 
you know, so like I want mm. this list to just tell me what I have to do. I don't want to have to show up at the shop and then like think about it. What do I have to do? You know, I want to just have a list of stuff. Um, so like generally speaking, before I leave the shop in the evening, that's the time when I'll be like, what do I need to do tomorrow? Uh, that's that's smart. Because then yeah. you you immediately give yourself while you're dumb, you're, you're morning dumb. You, yeah. You're like, you don't have to think about what there is to do. You've already made yourself a list. Exactly. That's that's what I'm talking yeah. about. That's that those times I walk in in the morning and I'm like, oh, what do I even start? I'm like, yeah, end up yeah. spending like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, just thinking about what do I need to do today. No, 100. percent. I'm like that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we maybe we, that maybe I'm more regimented because I'm dumber. <laughs> well, you're giving yourself a hard time if you think you're dumb, um, but. Uh, you're a pretty clever dude um but uh yeah we at the shop like we have or systems organizational systems Mm -hmm. um that do help me with this right so one thing we have is like i don't know we call it our uh, production board um and it's just got every order in a different stages of production so we've got columns it says whether this Mm -hmm. is in you know on deck um, or in woodwork, it's in pre-finish, you know, all the different right. steps, it's shipping. Uh, so that gives us like a snapshot of production, which is, you know, easily Super the most important thing or one of the most yeah. important things running a business. Um, so I can always go to that. And then we also right. have every customer has a checklist on a clipboard. Right. And so like, I can always be like okay and i do woodwork and you know manage pre-finish uh in shipping mm-hmm. so i can always just look to those three columns and, and then reference the clipboard see where i'm at right but yeah there's just so many other random things to do in a day like yeah mm-hmm. ordering parts and i don't know like, yeah getting right. toilet paper or yeah all the like sometimes yeah. it'll be the tiniest annoying thing that stops you you know, like for a while, I wasn't able to find this double-sided masking tape that I use for a bunch of stuff. I wasn't able to find it on McMaster. Like, I don't know whether they changed the search or changed the name of it or something. Oh. And one day, I just had to sit down for like 30 minutes and like click through a bunch of tape until I found it. Oh, really? You, <laughs> yeah. didn't, you didn't have the part number? Uh, I thought I did, but I, it didn't work or something. I don't know what happened, man. But like, it was just one of the, you know, and so like not having that tape, it was totally holding me up. Oh, you know? sure. So, it, yeah, there's so many little things like that you have to keep on top of. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, McMaster, I've had that happen once or twice where they've just continued a product or something like that. Mm. It's such a bummer. <laughs> Is that why you stopped ordering toilet paper from them? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have to order toilet paper anymore because there's shared washrooms in the new shop. Oh, so that's yeah. kind of nice, actually. You don't have to buy bathroom supplies. Well, it's nice, except for the fact that over the last year and a half, the like COVID deniers in my building are the ones that I'm sharing ah. a bathroom with. Yeah, nice. And do you like? Does the guy who uh, lives next door share it as well? And he like is brushing yes. his teeth in there in the morning? No, he has like a washroom in his apartment, like in his shop too. I think. So he. Just I don't uses know. I've never it? seen the inside of it. Never seen it. I think he uses the shared washroom when he uh, needs to make it smell bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. It it's just getting yeah. a little blue for me. Uh-huh. Um, 
uh, my train of thought has just been it's gone to derailed shit. by the poop talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, why don't I give you an update on the Haas? Yes, please. Okay. Um, so, we cut mahogany today, which is like the main, that's the the most common wood that we use. It's our, right. it's our go-to. Uh, so we made a body. Oh, that's awesome. You know, in, in that we, we took a block, block of mahogany, mm-hmm. we drilled, uh, Locating holes for quarter-inch pins that are in the uh, op zero fixture plate is what we're calling it, right? Um, and that's the vacuum plate, right? Uh, Palette. And so the cool thing that Mark made was we have a template right now for drilling our um, locating holes to go on the the gantry um, router, right? Uh, they're eighth-inch pins, which have always just been so dinky. And we clamp mm-hmm. the the template to it. It's got to align with the center line on the body because the body's two pieces of wood. So you right. want the center line of the the guitar to be on the center joint where the two bodies, the two pieces right. of wood join. So you've got to align that, and then you have to grab these two clamps, F clamps, and clamp it. And like, oh, things have shifted as I twisted the clamps closed. It's a bit of a pain. So Mark made right. the new fixture plate with quarter-inch uh, drill bushings. Uh, so we have we use quarter inch pins now, mm-hmm. uh, and then to to locate it, you just align the center line like we did before. But it's got a vacuum; mm. it's a, it's it's vacuum itself, so right. that holds it while you drill it. So you don't have to futz around with clamps anymore. Works great. Nice. Then it goes onto the the vacuum uh, pallet on in the machine. Vac- right, the so body like flip it upside down. down onto the the pins exactly. Right. Va- vacuum body. Uh, the body vacuums down, then we're surfacing one side, uh, drilling. Oh, this is one thing that's new for us. We don't do a ton of drilling on that, the gantry router. Because um, right. you've got like crazy spindle speed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we, everything's yeah. Interpol- interpolated holes for the most part. And right. we just never got into drilling. We have like some really tiny drill bits for like when we make plastic parts, like pick guards. Mm-hmm. But it takes the interpolating a, a five sixteenth inch hole that's two inches deep with oh, a yeah. really long, terrible quarter inch, like two flute um, end mill is it's awful. It sounds horrid. Right. And we broke one the other day, which is the first time. But anyways, now we've got, we had it, we bought a drill, um, a tool holder. What do you call those? Like a, a drill chuck, drill chuck. Thank you. Mm. From from Maritool. Why? <laughs> like, why well, bother? why not just use ER collets for your drills? I mean, why do they why do they make that? Is because you can get a a drill bit that's totally random size. So yeah, but if you have a full set of collets, it's not a big deal. anyway. But I'm we don't. Pick on you. I mean, I'll pick on you later. Okay. I'll pick on you later. We don't. We, we don't buy collets like that. We we mm. buy quarter inch, half inch. And eighth inch collets, and that's it. We don't have like right. a five. We buy a five sixteenth. This is like how it works. We buy a five sixteenth inch collet, and then we'll never use it because we'll be like, ah, you know what? I don't like five sixteenth inch hole anymore for this. I want to. Right. And well, I mean, I would say it will make your life a lot easier if you buy one full set. So, like, Marital sells full sets of ER collets for each size in a little wooden box. Mm-hmm. You buy one full set, and then you buy singles. 
Um, that's exactly what I do. So I have one full set and then I have like extra spares of the sizes that I use most, most often. Right. Of, you know, sometimes I'll have like three quarter inch tools in the, in the mill. Right. And then, yeah, like, you know, dr holding drills is like not a problem at all. Yeah. I mean, well, we wanted it and it was it, <laughs> price wise. It wasn't that much more expensive to buy to have that right. flexibility because Mark wanted to do, make it a five sixteenth inch hole. I wanted to make it a three eighth inch hole. Um, right. and I, I was, you know, so we bickered about that for like 10 seconds and then we just thought it would be nice to have that flexibility. Right. So we just did it, you know, nice. sometimes yeah, you just kind of make those decisions. Anyways, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It, as yes, a, they look as very a nice. Maritool, um, fanboy you should appreciate that <laughs> i don't know if they make this particular tool um, i'm not sure if they make the drill chuck but they would make the actual like flange tool holder part of it mm -hmm. like the body right yeah well it's beautiful and we just now just drill a 5 16th inch hole right that's great so did you machine the whole first like backside of the body like how did it go it went great yeah, a couple bugs like here and there, a couple weird things. High speed machining turns out you do need it from Haas, <laughs> which really yeah. So Nick and I me. talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "I don't know if we're going to need it." And I was like, uh, "Every video I've seen of people running a Haas mill without high speed machining on looks like a snail." Yeah, they kind of cripple the machine. Yeah, intentionally. Yeah. I don't know, like, like I don't know if they, they don't have any malice behind it, but like. It probably should just come with that. I think. Yes. I don't know. Like the machine is like, you know, we do, we do a lot of. You bought a super speed machine. Yeah. If you bought a super speed machine, it should come with high speed machine. It should. It, like you know, because yeah. we're doing a lot of three D contouring. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe where it's getting bogged down. Say you're like, say I guess if you want to just buy a VF two and you're gonna put a block of aluminum in it and make like a manifold. Yeah, right. Like a something with square, yes, square sides, and yeah, yeah, and just holes or whatever. Then sure, maybe that's where I think I that's where people get pissed off at Haas because everything's a la carte, and yeah, and right. it feels like you're getting ripped off when you spend. You, know, you have to buy to get thirty two gigs of memory. You have to drop fifteen hundred bucks or something, and yeah. it, and it, or like the high speed machining thing. It it's on the machine. It's just a cut. You just have to. Like it's an access code. If yeah, you give like them 3500 Yeah, it's an unlock, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's there. Yeah, I mean, the alternative is like the FANUC controls or FANUC or however you want to say it, where like you get like 120 kilobytes of memory. And if you want 10 meg, it's like five grand. You know? right. <laughs> like, so, I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's, still a, it's still a good deal. He, you know, everyone said, oh, they, like the sales guy was like, uh, you should really get it. <laughs> and we we're like, well, our current machine doesn't have a high speed machining in it. Machine's just fine. But they've really like crippled it. Um, right. It doesn't work well without it. And yeah, we've got it, it. Dwelling every time it changes direction, right? It's like, say we're, we're contouring the, the arch on the top of the guitar. It's mm -hmm. like doing, it's making a move. And then, you know, as, as it's going, as the Z is coming down, it's stuttering. Right. Um, making this non-2D move. 
Right. So it the so the machine has two hundred hours of free <laughs> high speed machining, and then it becomes locked. So we can turn it on for now. Right. And it, it fixed that problem. And it, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the um, the the uh, feed rate. We were like, uh, it, it's it won't get up to what we set it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, it's just an option that you need. Like, pretty much everyone should have it. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially these days, now that we're using like high speed machining style toolpaths and like tracoidal milling and helical interpolation, you know, like all of those things that have lots of little code segments, mm -hmm. you're going to need a high-speed machining option for all those things. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give them too hard a time. I'm a little annoyed that I'm not going to have to drop like $3,500. Was it less expensive if you bought it with the machine? I don't even know yet. Mm. So I'm a little nervous because <laughs> yeah it could be like oh no it's ten thousand dollars if you want to just add it no no i don't think it's like that i just i think it might be like less if you bought it with the machine like as a bundle right. well there was a discount when i bought the yes. machine i you know there was they were giving they had 15 percent off right so uh i think i might have missed the mark on that maybe i'll just i'll cry in front of them <laughs> yeah really debase yourself and then they'll take pity i have no and... problem doing that shameless Perfect. you'll go far in life <laughs> um so yeah otherwise it's beautiful and oh the chip auger it's hilarious and it, it it moves the wood chips right up the chute into a garbage bin it's nice it's beautiful yeah it's great so once you get dust collection inside that thing it's gonna be nice yeah we do have to do that and you know we've still got a debate whether we're gonna or we're debating whether we're gonna get um bellows for it Mm, right which are like this it's like 3500 bucks for bellows yeah i mean one thing i will say is if your dust collection is really good to grab the fine dust because like chips aren't going to be able to get up underneath the way covers mm -hmm. like that's really what you're worrying about and like you know stuff that kind of gums up the way covers right mm -hmm. um the big chips aren't going to do that it's the fine dust that will do that yeah so if you can get like a you know a decent dust collection right at the spindle then honestly, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna experiment with that. Um, we're just trying to get the machine running right now. Yeah. But uh, one thing we found just today when we were machining mahogany is um, the air blast is actually good. We were a little nervous about blasting the wood dust because right. of, about putting dust in the air, but we're making pretty sizable chips and right. and actually blowing them like having the the automatic air gun on them is moving them away from the the, the uh end mill so they're not being remachined right making dust uh so we the faster we get those big fluffy chips out the better mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah i mean the other thing you could do too is rather than having um dust collection like right at the spindle you could just plumb dust collection into the enclosure mm -hmm. and just you know, fairly rapidly exchange the air in the enclosure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that will keep the fine dust down as well because it'll just get getting sucked straight into that ducting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did have that same uh, thought because, I mean, we because the uh, on a mill, you could, you know, the spindle is stationary other than moving up and down, could mm -hmm. attach a dust hose there, 
but it's yep. got to be on the right side of the mill if you're standing in front of it on yep. the right side of the spindle and the air gun is on the right the side change. of the spindle right so it's blowing everything away from you yeah so yeah. we'll see we'll see it doesn't have to be on the right side of the enclosure does it like if you put it on the left and had like um so if it was mounted to the enclosure and then you had like a rigid uh flexible hose mm -hmm. like one of those ones you could bend and kind of put it near where the spindle is going to be yeah you know that would be on the left then and it'd be out of the way of the tool change and everything yeah yeah i mean there's definitely an option well i don't know if you've seen you know um lock line the, yes the little the blue. blue have you seen the big the big vacuum sized lock line i think i have yeah yeah so those are like i think it's like 30 bucks for a couple of feet worth of that stuff oh really and i use it in my shop all the time um and it stays in place really well nice okay yeah well, i'll have to consider that i don't um, know if they make like four inch diameter <laughs> dust collector sized ones but they make two and a half inch for the vacuums okay that's pretty good yeah um yeah, so that's definitely something we're going to have to get on top of because nice. it does, like, I mean, machining a body makes a lot of chips right? and yeah. dust as a result. How aggressive are you guys being? Well, like, I'm guessing not very right now, but. No, pretty, trying to be pretty aggressive. Like, we're really trying to get this uh, uh, the machining time down. Like, right. we want this to be fast. Uh, right. So it's really nice, like we don't have this on the axes, but to be able to up your your feed rate mm -hmm. on the machine, yeah. like dial it up, yeah, yeah, which is as it's running, pretty kick ass. So like we did half the body at like a hundred percent and half the body at two hundred percent. Just like check, we're like, oh, you know what? The this surface finish is good enough because mm -hmm. this is this is a glue surface. We're going to be gluing something to this. Right. Um, this is fine. You know, we're about as good as we're getting on the axes. Um, and what kind of uh, spindle speed and feed rate are you running? Um, I think it was at one hundred percent was one hundred and forty. Oh, nice! And I think Mark was talking about getting it up to like three hundred. Oh. Nice, yeah, that's not holding back. And then are you like ma already maxed out on the spindle speed? Because you, yeah. you got a yeah, twelve yeah. thousand RPM spindle. Fifteen. Right? Fifteen. Yeah. So with a half inch bit at fifteen, single flute. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Why is it a single flute? Oh, uh, that's honestly, that's just what we've always used. It mm. gives you, us a nice big fat chip. Uh, it, it's a nice sharp bit because of the way it's like, a, if you look at a single flute upcut bit, there's like, they're hollow in the middle. It's yeah, they're, really, they're actually really weak because of that. Right. But you get a really sharp point because, right. um, you know, if you're looking at like, it's not, it's not stubby, like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm diff having difficulty yeah. describing Well, this. but I mean, just if you can find a two flute tool that you like, that means you'd be able to go up to like 600 inches a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just putting it out. No, we are looking at them. We're, we we mm -hmm. found one on um, Helical that looks mm, nice. Okay. Um, the Because we, we need a specific length, say just for cutting out the body. For a lot of it, we did, we're just doing... Um, or when we're radiusing the top of the arch, we're just using the tip of the bit, right? And yeah. a little bit, of maybe like half an inch of the, the edge. So right. we could use something pretty stubby. But, yeah, and stubby is good. Mm -hmm. Stubby is nice. But uh, yeah, we're we're 
very much looking into different bits. Like we were talking about when you were here, uh, mm-hmm. copy mill with round mm-hmm. inserts. Uh, yep. And Sandvik has a nice looking one uh, with three uh, inserts, round nice. inserts. Right. Uh, that would be pretty good for what we're doing. So that would be like a toroidal mill, right? Like it's not center cutting. It has inserts around the edges. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah that would be sweet. We're, because we're sort of, we can spiral in. We don't, we're not having to plunge for yeah. certain operations. Um, we don't really need it to be cutting in the center. Right. We can go straight off the edge. Okay. So one of those with like upshop diamond, uh, sorry, upshop tooling like meant for aluminum mm-hmm. or uh, PCD diamond inserts. We were looking at that. The PCD stuff looks cool. Yeah. Uh, so that is probably going to be the future for us. For now, we're just we're we have the this tooling and we're comfortable with it. So that's that's yeah, for sure. what we're prototyping with. It's just going to get us to where. It'll it'll get us to where we need to be in order to to make some some progress, but yeah, for sure, definitely lots of room for improvement. So cool, that's man. where we're at. That's very cool. It's awesome that you guys are like you know making progress with that now. Yeah, felt slow. It always that's kind of always the case just with anything. It's like slow to start, and then once you yeah. get to a certain point, it's it like accelerate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, plus fixturing is slow. Like I think. Two, you're better off being slow with fixturing. Yeah, you kind of only the material's expensive. Um, yes, you kind of easy only, to screw something up yeah, and then yeah, want to have take one shot at it if you can. But mm-hmm. we're already like, oh, then you know, V two fixturing, we could include these things or you know, um, we make yeah. it out of this material. So we're already thinking about about that. But I think what we've got is going to get us pretty far. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, what about you? Good to hear. Speaking of fixturing. Uh, well, I don't know if I said last week that like I was nearly finished the fixtures for the kitchen knife and I was working on like um test like sample pieces, test pieces to like work out all the tool paths and stuff. And then the screen on on my CNC on Millie uh shit the bed. No, I didn't hear this. The old school, it's, I mean, the screen's like 24 years old. This is not the right? new it's, one that you replaced. No, no. This is like the original CRT, like the, oh, cool. you know, analog monitor from the factory. And it, it finally shit the bed. So I've got a replacement monitor on the way, but I can't really use the machine until that comes. So that's, that's fine. I've just kind of pivoted. I've been uh, crushing production. Amazing. Um, yeah, getting lots of knives out to customers at the moment. That's great. great. Yeah, and I'm I'm also having to um, rework a bunch of processes because now I'm doing um, these like fully custom handle scale colors. Yeah. Right? Um, so I was I think I said to you that I was using like a polyurethane glue with the ultra high molecular weight polyethylene um, fix like a glue up fixture. Yeah, with the, the, the toggle glue clamps. doesn't stick to. Yeah, and that's been working beautifully. The polyurethane glue, not so much. Oh, really? It's, yeah, I mean, it's plenty strong. The problem is that I found that like, sometimes it would foam up just a tiny bit in the glue line, hmm. and then it, you would end up with a, a slightly inconsistent glue line. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, which given that the glue line is so prominent on my knives, like, you know, you, you normally can't see the glue line. Right. You just want <laughs> it to look like two pieces of material made it together. Exactly. And seamless. with the polyurethane glue, you could sometimes see the glue line. Hmm. So that's gone. I'm not. I'm not going to do that anymore. I, um, instead, I changed over to a Loctite um, 
epoxy (laughs) (laughs) back to epoxy yeah Um, crawling back i know but i changed over to one that's uh dispensed from cartridges oh yeah my dog my dog is like losing her mind here sorry about if you can hear that um what's wrong puppy um yeah it's dispensed from cartridges which means and it it comes with like a static mixing nozzle which means that it's super quick super easy just to you know do a couple of um handle scales yeah and thankfully the epoxy doesn't stick to the polyethylene either which is critical yeah so um yeah that's been going well and then you know now i also have like a whole bunch more like skews that i that i have to keep track of Mm -hmm. right like because before it was like you know 13 colors and you know each each color of each handle color combo came with a specific color of sheath now it's like different could be different blade in the future i'm going to be doing different blades uh different handle scales different liner colors different sheath color um so it's just a little thing but basically i made like a template for my um like thermal label printer that i use for printing um shipping labels Mm -hmm. and um it just has like you know the model of the knife and then like places for all of those different options like what the blade finishes what the handle color is etc serial number and that just gets taped like attached to the outside of the box and then you know it looks nice so yeah just lots of little stuff like that um same with like i have a script uh, that i wrote uh that runs against my shopify store that like spits out a list of all of the orders that i have to do and like what the colors of each one are and stuff um and because I'm doing uh, like the ordering differently now, I had to like rewrite that program um, to to work with it. But all these little things are coming t- together, which is really nice. Yeah, that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. So you do different color sheets? Yeah. I don't think I'd yeah. seen that. Um, yeah, I mean, for the longest time, it was like black and brown. And now I do black, brown, gray, orange, and red. Oh, wicked. Um, and again, like it's, it's pretty nice actually, like the way that everything's working out now, it's not really a big deal to add an extra color, mm-hmm. you know, an extra option. So I'm probably going to keep expanding it. Like it just means that I have to keep stock, you know, it, I might have to keep like a hundred dollars worth of extra stock right. per color, but that's not a, a huge deal, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the more options you give people too. I think the more fun it is. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you can re- really get a sense of customization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's great. So yeah, that's been coming along really nicely. Um, yeah, apart from that. Oh, and I've also been... So the, the fixtures that I use to make my um, camping knife, the Resolute, you know, I, I designed all of these, what, like five years ago, four years ago, when I was still kind of learning Fusion 360. And I was very organized, quote unquote, <laughs> with, with the with the design. So, like, you know, the the op two station on the fixtures is like a separate file, and then that file is like included into an assembly drawing. And then, you know, so th- there's like twelve files okay. or something that all come together to make up this one big assembly. The problem is like whenever you update one of those files, then like that might, particularly if it's something like the actual knife itself, which almost every other file depends on, then you end up in the situation where all of the, 
individual parts of the fixture need to be updated and then the main fixture needs to be updated and so you just end up in this hell of like everything needing to be updated all the time um and, and sometimes when you update stuff it like breaks the assembly like things don't go back sure. into the right places so yeah i just i blew all that up this week okay. i was just like fuck this i just there's a a, a a function in fusion called break link that basically just like takes away that link of the file to the thing and just like inserts it into the design that you're currently working on just puts the latest version oh, in and now it just lives there it just lives there oh that's pretty yeah. handy yeah so you didn't thankfully. have to redesign you didn't have to start from scratch no 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 which is thank god but yeah so this is like the kitchen knife fixtures all of the fixtures are done in one design with each station being an individual component and that works beautifully so i had to like update the resolute to be more like that um because i'm actually going through the process right now of moving everything back to hard milling so yeah um just until very recently i was like cutting out the shapes of the knives while the steel is soft right then heat treating them then uh, hard milling the bevels i'm moving everything back to hard milling. cutting them out hard milled yeah or yeah, uh hardened is it easier to harden the material when it's just a blank um either way is fine because it's still just flat the the main issue is just that like let's say i get a batch of material you know i'm running low on steel i'm running low on like heat treated blades i need to like you know get some more stuff heat treated so i can keep doing machining i'd get a batch of material in and then i'd have to go through that and cut it all up into the you know the knife shape mm -hmm. blanks and then heat treat it. So there's a bunch of batch work there. Right. Right. Whereas now I can just like get steel, cut it to lengths on the bandsaw, heat treat it, and then it goes straight into the machine. Right. Yeah, that um, does sound a little simpler. Yeah. So it, it, and I'm one of the new materials that I'm investigating for my blades, I did some testing with it a while ago, and it turns out it actually shrinks during heat treatment. Oh, not a lot, but enough that my pinholes no longer line up right. properly. Right. So um, the steel that I use currently, A2, is specifically known for being very stable during heat treat. Mm. It doesn't move very much, but apparently other materials, that doesn't really apply. That's funny, so, yeah. You don't, well, so yeah. you don't have much of a choice <laughs> unless you know exactly how much is going to shrink. Exactly, yeah. So, um, But yeah, everything's come along well. Um yeah, it just it's interesting how like going back and redoing a process, you get to apply a lot more like you know, new knowledge to it every time. Isn't it also funny too how long you'll live with a process the way it just is, even though you want to yeah. change something about it? Yeah, I mean, in the past I have succumbed to like the the urge to fix things mm -hmm. too early. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, I'd accidentally blow up a process that was otherwise working. Right. You know, like I'd accidentally leave out some little tiny bit or like change one little thing and then it doesn't fucking work. And I have to spend like, you know, a week or something not running production because I've broken this process, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a little bit more hesitant to do that these days. Right. Um, but that's fine. Like, I think this is kind of the sweet spot where it's like, you know, just... Just fucking fix it. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, it sounds like uh, you're solving for a, a problem that actually exists. Yes, which is always <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's been a, a productive week, just very busy. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so, what um, we're 
we got some feedback on uh, our ramblings. Yeah, well, it was really awesome that like everyone says that, uh, well, nearly everyone said that they really like the new format. Um, the only feedback that we got was that it would be great to have like you know one or two segments um, as well. And I 100% agree. The problem is that Nick and I are just so good at talking shit that we never actually make it's it true. through those bits. It's true. We gave ourselves a hard stop at 30 minutes and we blew right past it. Yeah, so we're going to try and be a bit more disciplined about that. But um, yeah, so do you want to talk about space, Nick? Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I know nothing about space. I have well, read, uh, you know, um, a Neil deGrasse Tyson book in my day. I probably I <laughs> well, you're going to have to start learning more if you're going to talk to me, buddy. <laughs> you're going to have to start learning more. So, like, um, the we the last little while has been a really exciting time for like space news because spacex were doing the starship testing um you know so they were literally like putting brand new prototypes on the launch pad and then like you know sending them up to do 15 kilometer test flights and like seeing what happens you know and it was very exciting because a bunch of them blew up and, and so on right um and that's kind of the first time that i can ever think of where like um a new spacecraft like that has been so publicly tested. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, normally this stuff happens on like air force ranges or, or whatever, you know, like it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a secret, but they're not like live streaming their own tests, you know, whereas SpaceX were like sending out live streams from all the cameras on the rockets. There were like a bunch of people near the test launch site with like big, long, lenses you know yeah taking live video of this is one of them so just Be- cool. jeff bezos <laughs> the, the whole jeff bezos elon musk thing's really funny man <laughs> they don't they don't like each other do they not no apparently they used to get along and then like i think the the rivalry just went went too far you know so now there's like pretty public jabs between the two that's funny on twitter so um bezos doesn't uh drive a tesla I don't think so. He uh, he strikes me as the type to drive like a Hummer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing that I find really interesting is so like Jeff Bezos's company is called Blue Origin, right? Yeah, and they are actually older than SpaceX. They've been around longer than SpaceX, and I cannot work out what they're doing. So they have um, one rocket called uh, New Shepard, I think, if I from memory, and it's a suborbital. Um, passenger rocket that's basically meant for space tourism. Right, okay. And they've launched a couple of them for test flights, but they haven't had one with people on it yet. And I'd like, I don't understand how you can pour so much money into a company and not, you know, like they've had longer than SpaceX. And we're like, I just feel like they haven't done anywhere near as much, you know? Yeah. Um, it kind of blows my mind. Well, I guess he's just got much of money to blow. Uh, I heard he wants to send it, like, take his brother to space. Yeah. So he, uh, Jeff Bezos and his brother, and I think it's like one other, someone paid $28 million to be on the first, wow. um, like, space tourism flight. Like, I was going to feel like an new idiot Shepard. when in five years it's like two grand. <laughs> Well, so this is the thing that like uh, SpaceX are saying that they are hoping to get it to the point where um, an entire Starship launch is two million dollars. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So like, 
um, for for reference, so the the previous most powerful rocket ever made was the Saturn V. So that's the one that took astronauts to the moon, right? Okay. Launching one of those cost one point two billion dollars. Money well spent for just one. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. But like launching, um, if if you launch a Falcon Nine, which is uh, SpaceX's smaller rocket, and you get to reuse it, then one launch is one hundred and fifty million. Okay. If you are going for a more powerful launch and you end up having to like destroy the rocket, you're not going to fully reuse it. Then it's like 500 million, and they're hoping with Starship that they, everything will be fully reusable and they'll get cost per launch down to two million. Oh, wicked! Which is insane. And Starship, the, the new one that they're working on, Starship Super Heavy, which is the um, the booster stage for the Starship rocket that we've been seeing. Um, that thing is by far the most powerful rocket ever made. Really. Yeah, more powerful than the Saturn V by like a substantial margin. Um, and this thing is just monstrous, man. Like I saw a picture the other day of the blueprints, like just kind of a cutaway drawing of the rocket. And down the middle, there's this tiny little pipe because um, there's two tanks. There's the liquid methane tank and the liquid oxygen tank. And one, they're stacked one above the other. So there has to be a pipe going down the middle of the bottom tank to take the, uh, I think it's the liquid oxygen down to the rocket engines, right? And, you know, the pipe doesn't look, doesn't look very big. But then I saw a photo of that pipe. They were installing it next to actual people. Uh-huh. And you could comfortably crawl inside this Oh. Thing. It is What's it called? Okay, huge. what do I look for? Uh, Starship Super Heavy Booster. Starship sec, Super Heavy. heavy. Sounds like a 70s band. <laughs> so, yeah, the, they're currently working on BN2, um, which is their, like, first kind of production super heavy booster, and that might actually reach orbit. Um, and it's, the thing's just, like, insane how big it is. Wow. This looks cool. Google it. It looks mm-hmm. awesome. Google it. Yeah, everyone Google it. If you haven't seen... Have you guys heard of Google? Google. It's great. You can put <laughs> type in anything. Nick's a little behind the times. Um, wow, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, so like they're, they're mounting... Um, BN2 is going to have 29 Raptor engines on it. Um, and the Raptor is like probably the most advanced rocket engine ever made. Um, and the production version is going to have 32 of them on it. And it should be able to launch like 150 tons to orbit in a single single shot. So okay, how many how many just, people just could they fit on this thing? Like in in Starship, if you were just to fill it with people. Well, no, is this the is this what he, they want to make two million dollars to to shoot into space? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the, but I mean, it's not meant as like a um, space tourism vehicle. It's meant as like a you know astronauts and cargo kind of. Okay. Vehicle. So this the, the him and Bozos have a uh, <laughs> um, different. Uh, like very different mandates. Okay. Yeah. So one wants to send people into space. Well, like uh, as far as I know, or, SpaceX or passengers. Re- they want to. Yeah. Is I mean, Elon Musk going to have? All right. Tourists. Yeah, the guy wants to yeah. send his brother into space, and <laughs> one guy wants to spend send real astronauts into space. Well, and hopefully at some point, like colonists. Like, um, he wants to send colonists to Mars, right? Like that's yeah. Why Mars? Can't we find something better? Like where? Well, I don't know. Haven't you seen, um, you know, what that James Cameron movie? Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. No, I we mean, have to find a planet with blue people on it. That we can 
colonized. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, okay, I get it. Like, there's not that would be like a hundred light years away to find. Well, you got to find it first. Wow, I'm sounding yeah. like an idiot. Um, but okay, what is what's on Mars? I mean, it's. I mean, fuck all, yeah. really. But like, there's you know resources there. There's a bit of an atmosphere. You know, like it's it ultimately at the moment it's our best shot okay. for. It is a planet in space that we can reach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there was something better, we'd be going for it. Yeah. But as far as we know, there is. Okay, but th- so better. you're gonna always have to live inside. Yeah. Okay. So much. why not the moon then? <laughs> well, they they're trying to do that as well. For real. Yeah, so NASA has a program called Artemis, which is going to return humans to the moon. I think it's by 2030, they're aiming for, or 2026, something like that. Um, and Starship, again, Starship was the only landing system that was selected for the Artemis project. Okay. And then Blue Origin went to Congress and had like a little crying hissy fit. They were like, you guys didn't give us enough of a chance to rebid and blah, blah, blah. And so Congress has reallocated like $10 billion for Blue Origin that hasn't even reached orbit yet to create a, it's not just Blue Origin. It's a, it's a conglomerate of companies. Okay. But I, I really, to me, that really just felt very like, you know, come on guys. Like They whined and they got their way. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a bit sad. Um, but that being said, I'm super excited to see people going back to the moon. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's super super cool. Um, but yeah, imagine Starship landing on the moon. Like all of the other proposals were like these dinky little landers. Maybe they fit two or three people. You know, Starship's like twelve astronauts, a moon buggy. You know, a little habitation system. Yeah, it has like a crane that's going to come out of the side of it to lower everything down. You know, like that thing's legit and huge um, okay so when's that gonna happen uh let's see i have to i think it's by 20 uh in the mid 2020s it says all right it doesn't say exactly when but you know i mean if starship keeps proceeding at the pace that it has been like they're gonna be ready for that pretty soon wow couple of years probably okay wicked that'll be wicked to watch somebody uh land. okay i, I want to see them land on mars though i do i do want to see that yeah um yeah that's gonna be very very cool so that's space <laughs> nick's ready to move on to something else <laughs> we should well I, to... i'm trying to you know i'm trying to keep yeah, this keep uh, moving. going i appreciate that i appreciate um, that. we have to get a bit better about the um flow the segues yeah, yeah. i, I we... thought my segue was terrific yeah, yeah. So, um, what's next? Um, we should get on to listener questions. Yeah, because okay. we we missed some listener questions. Um, so yeah, Scott Hoadley on Instagram was asking, what tooling? What's the basic tooling that we'd recommend for a CNC? Single um, flute like, upcut. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you and I have already disagreed about this on this episode, which is why I think it's interesting. Oh, like, I would like never pellets. buy a drill truck. Well, I, I had re- my, I truck. had my reservations too. But if you think if you want to drill some stuff, it's like you know you, you've got you're gonna have like a three thirty seconds, uh, five thirty seconds. Call it like I mean, just like how many calls yes. you have. Yes, like you're gonna have a full set. Okay. That's what I don't understand. But like, you didn't what if you get them by numbered drill bits and um, de- uh, fractional drill bits? Well, so the the collets have a collapse range, right? They right, have like a one thirty seconds of an inch collapse range. So 
you can you just choose the next largest size and then squish it down. Yeah. Well, um, I stand by no my problem. decision. Um, <laughs> so, Scott, whose side are you on? Yeah, Scott, tell us. <laughs> well, so for me, I mean, part of the the difference is like you're talking about running like one drill. You know, like what if you were running six? Would you want to buy six drill chucks at a slightly higher cost each, or would you buy six ER? Oh, definitely ER collets. I mean, yeah, they're like in one for you know on one hand they are more versatile, on the other hand, a drill chuck is pretty versatile. If you're not sure, like we were like, oh, like Mm -hmm. we could test out a couple different drill, like hole sizes for this, right? Um, okay, so basic tooling for a CNC. I mean. ER so another one, yeah, ER collets tooling. I think are fantastic. Yeah. Like ER25 is a great size. ER32 is a little bit less flexible because the nose of the tool the tool holder is a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, we've been really liking the ER. What what did we go for? ER25. 25. Yeah. 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 I mean, all of my tools I have ER25 and ER11, and that's it. And I only have three ER11 holders, and I basically only use them because I bought them and I've got to use them. <laughs> um, if it I wasn't do like the way they look. Yeah, I mean they're they're quite slim, mm-hmm. which is so handy cool. in I think if you're a job shop, it really de- you need a much broader range of tooling if you're a job yeah, shop. Yeah, or if you do like five axis stuff. Right. And they need very slim yeah. tool holders and yeah, hundred percent. Um but for me, you know, where everything's pretty flat, I'm not really taking deep cuts or like working inside tight clearances. Mm-hmm. ER twenty five has been yeah, really nice. yeah. We we were exclusively using ER thirty two for the with the axes, um, right? And now they look now it looks so funny because right the ISO thirty tool holder is mid sized, kind of small, uh, right? But the biggest <laughs> well not the biggest ER call it like you can get bigger ER calls but ER thirty two is kind of on the big size side. Yep. Um, so it just looks goofy now. But ER25 has been really nice. I kind of want ER11 for some of the like eighth inch tooling, like eighth inch shank tools. Are, are you just worried about like nose? Clearance? No, the reason I want it, I for the visual clearance, like you can see, mm. you can see the the tool better if you don't have a ton of stick out. Um, and if we want to start filming right. more stuff, I think it would be handy to have that visual clearance. Get some end mill holders, man. Like if you're gonna run little tools with one eighth shanks, I'd the, like um, the idea of end mill holders. Um, I still like, you know, you've got a set screw pushing against one side, and I know you ha- like the shank has to have a certain rating. I don't know mm-hmm. if the tooling we currently are using ha- I, has I, that. I, tight, it doesn't tight have tolerance. that tight of tolerance. At least not listed. I could ask right. them. I think you'll find that because pretty much all carbide tooling is made from um, like centerless ground carbide blanks. Right. Right. So like the guys that are making the end mills, they won't be making the carbide blanks. They'll buy those in. Right. And unless the you're tolerance like on those or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, but like the tolerances on those carbide blanks are very tight. So usually the shank of the tool is, is tight enough. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see one and, and like feel it. Like I'm sure it would be fine, but it just seems mm-hmm. like if there was a, a disparity there, that you're yeah automatically pushing the tool off center. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Particularly if you're using like really tiny tools, like the tool that you guys use for your fret slotting. You know, it's really tiny. Yeah, tool. yeah, twenty three. Um, any thou. amount of 
yeah, any amount of run out is going to like break that tool right. or, or shorten its life. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if the shank tolerance is good, then you're not going to have any problems. Right. Um, like the end mill holders, the, the bore in those end mill holders is so tight that like the set screw can't push the tool off center. Right. Um, so is it a slip fit or is it like, do you kind of have to, is it a bit it's of a, a slip dis- fit? But it's like a hydraulic slip fit almost, okay. right? Like you have to like push the end mill in, and if you let it go, it'll like spring back. Oh, out. okay, cool. Um, so yeah, it's they're they're really really nice, and then you never have to worry about cleaning collets out. Um, you have like really good clearance for air blast and vacuum, really good visual clearance, so you can see in there. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea a lot, and then also you've got just the toss, cost of the tool holder. You don't have the additional cost of the collet. Yes. And they're quite inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Like the Maritool ones, I think they're like yeah, 85. Uh, 80 bucks, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so definitely something I want to look into. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if the tooling we have now would be suitable, but maybe it would be. So I can always put some... I have like... So like we buy our fret slotting bits from precisebits.com. Yep. I, and they're not expensive. So we buy like 10 at a time because you just need to have them on, like, on hand. Yeah, totally. Um, so I could mic 10 of them, see, see what it comes out to. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, that, that's good enough, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually excited. So Maritool have just released a uh, hydraulic chuck tool. Holders. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so they've just released their BT30, and Frank told me that the Cat 40 ones are coming within a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm going to be getting some of those to try those for my hard milling instead of the end mill holders um, because hydraulic holders have really, really good damping characteristics. Interesting. Um, so I'll be, I, I'm, I've been wanting to do a video for years on like ER collets versus SK collets versus end mill holders versus hydraulic holders. Right. Um, and I wasn't really able to because the hydraulic holders that I was looking at previously are um, made by Shunk, the Shunk mm, Tendo ones. Yeah. Um, and they have uh, they have two versions. They basically have one that has like a single bore, like an end mill holder, that's specifically for one size of shank. And then they have one that's larger. It's a three quarter inch bore, and you put a sleeve in there. Okay, like a reducing sleeve. Um, and the one that's like a quarter inch shank, it's actually not deep enough to get my end mills all the way in. <laughs> like, so you end up with like you know three quarters of an inch or an inch of stick out yeah. because. They, I don't know why they did that. Like, why wouldn't they just make the hole deeper? You know, it seems crazy. Um, and then I talked to some of their, one of their reps about getting the three quarter inch end mill holders at, at, I talked to them at CMTS and they just never got back to me. Oh, that's such a bummer. You know, so, um, so yeah, I'm going to be buying some of those, uh, hydraulic holders from, from Maritime. And do you and... need them like something to open them? Um, they just have, so these ones, uh, there are two types of hydraulic holder. There's one that has an external hydraulic unit where mm-hmm. you have to like attach a pipe and then like pump a handle and stuff. And then there's one that has like a set screw plunger. So it's basically like a little tiny hydraulic cylinder in the actual tool itself oh. that's actuated by a set screw. Really? Yeah, they're really, really clever. So it's a, a tiny sealed hydraulic system in the tool holder. Um, and that's the style that Frank is, uh, that Maritool is selling, right. where you just like tighten up a set screw yeah, and that pushes a little plunger um, and that applies the hydraulic pressure. Very cool. So yeah, I think I'm going to do that comparison video uh, sometime in the next couple of months. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, And I'm going to be, I want to test like ER collets versus 
an ER cult with a ball bearing nut. Um, and the same for SK holders as well. Yeah, can you explain SK? I, I don't really know what the difference so is. So SK is another type of collet tool holder. Um, just the shape of the collet is different. So on ER holders, like they have a fairly steep angle on the outside. I think it's like eight degrees or something. Um, whereas an SK, it's half that. Um, and that means that it, when you tighten the, uh, the collet down, it produces a lot more force. Um, but because that angle is uh, uh, like shallower, the collapse range of the collets is also much smaller. So you have right. to use like more collets to cover a given range. Right. So ER holders are more versatile because you don't need as many collets and so on. But SK collets are supposed to be more rigid because there's a longer length of collet engaged with the tool holder. Mm -hmm. And also um, they have, they're supposed to have much higher clamping forces. They look cool um, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've got one of Maritool's SK-16 holders. Um, and for me, there just wasn't, I didn't really notice much of a difference between that and ER for what I was doing. Right. Um, and one of the issues for me is that when you're hard milling, you're producing these tiny little chips that are really, really hard. And they get blown up inside the collets by the air blast. And then it's impossible to clean them all out before you loosen the tool holder off. And then they end up scoring the inside of the... Um, tool holder taper oh. as you undo the, the, the bit, um, as you undo the, the collet nut. So for me, the end mill holders are fantastic because there's no place for the chips to get into. Yeah, the, I, I really like that about them. I mean, yeah, we I, I'm, if I change a tool, I'm having to blow out a lot of dust from inside right. an a ER collet. And you told me that one time you didn't do that. And how did that? Happen? Oh yeah. So I, I just was like swapping a tool fast. Uh, and I just, I pulled the old tool out, put the new, um, you know, new, uh, end mill in and then tightened it. And the, there was so much compacted dust in the slots of the ER call it that it, um, it didn't close evenly and it, right. it, uh, favored one side. It crunched one side in and the other side right. opened up more so it held the tool uh but i'm sure it destroyed had... the collet yeah i mean the the collet was toast for sure um yes. and yeah it's not great yeah so that that keep keep an eye out for that always clean your collets um so i don't know if we we're really answering scott's question though basic tooling for a cnc uh choose a well, you you know you ER collets. I think to get started with, just buy a range. Like buy, you know, let's say you've got like thirty tools in your tool changer. Buy like ten ER twenty five or ER thirty two collets with, you know, a full range, at least one full set of collets for that size, and then some extras of like one eighth, one quarter, three eighths, half, because those are the ones you'll use the most often. Now, um, I would say it depends on what you know you're using. I wouldn't buy random collets personally. Well, but like if you don't have a full set, at some point in the future, you will need a size that you don't have. Yeah, but you're, and then you're fine. I mean, so you have to wait for the I literally to have, I have, I have three three eighth inch collets mm -hmm. uh, that I bought for the Axes machine when we bought it right. that I've never opened, never used. <laughs> right. 
So we just don't use that size. And we were like, well, we should get a couple of like these different sizes. We use eighth inch, quarter inch, half inch. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends too. Like if you're buying like really expensive ER collets, then yeah, you don't want to buy collets you're not going to use. But like, you know, for the, 20 bucks, ER, yeah, to have yeah, one the collets, random size. The collets from like Maritola are so reasonable. Just buy one of each, man. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like I, I definitely have collets that I haven't used, but I don't regret having them. Because I know that, you know, someday I'm going to make a tooling change. I'm going to need some weird sized collet and I'd, I'll have it. Mm-hmm. okay so then also you're gonna need end mills yeah um it's really hard to make recommendations on that front though because it's going to be so specific to what somebody's doing but you obviously would suggest mari tool as a sort resource yeah i mean i really like them i've never had any problems with them and so then other places i mean it's just like i tried i was looking at um Sandvix website recently and <laughs> Kenna Metal I've looked at before. It's like it's so confusing. I, but you know, Harvey, I really yeah. like their website because you can just buy a tool. Harvey also owns Helical. Um, but can you buy a tool on I their believe website? So. Now? I've never done it, but it looks like you can add to cart. Yeah. Okay. So you can't. Oh, come on. <laughs> really? You cannot buy on just not straight on the Harvey Tool website. You can't buy it. What happens as far as last time I checked, which was like a couple of months ago, you can add to cart, and then you when you go to check out, what it does is gives you a list that you then send to your local tooling distributor, and then they will quote you. You know, and and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to shit can them, but like Harvey Tool's local distributor for me, I sent them a tooling inquiry about two weeks ago via email. Never heard back from them. That's crazy. You know, like, it's such a pain in the ass to have to go through that whole process of dealing with the distributor and stuff. Like, one of the reasons I love Marital is because you go on the website, you know, you click buy, yeah. and then it's done. That's fantastic. You know, like, it, and yeah. then, it, then it comes, yeah, okay, I'm, now I've got to make a card. It boggles my mind that yeah. there's any other way to do well, it in this day. with actually. something that's, you know, this is a um, consumable yeah. So I want to be able to, yeah. I want it, I want to get it fast. Um, I need it tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to have to talk to some random person if I don't have to. Yeah. I just want to go and add to cart, check out. Okay. Now I can check that off my list. Not yeah, like, oh, I've got to call Frank uh, <laughs> at, at Mari Tool uh, yeah. distributor. Ask for pricing. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. You just you just go onto Frank's website and click to buy. That's nice. Um, yeah. You don't get sent to some local distributor, which is fine. Yeah, and there, like, there are definitely, to, to be clear, like there are definitely other companies that are like that. Like if you go to like Lakeshore Carbide, right. you can just add to cart and, yeah. and check out and, you know, you're good. Um, I just, you know, as you said, I'm a marital fanboy, so like they'll get a lot of free, free, uh, air for me because they've helped me out so much mm-hmm. yeah yeah like short um, looks cool they don't have as nice a website um, yeah and i mean as far as like tooling up a new machine personally i would be like you know get a couple of like one eighth end mills for steel a couple of one eighth end mills for aluminum like two flute versus four flute you know a couple of one eight uh three sixteenths a couple of three eighths a couple of half um I'm not sure if you would choose the same thing, Nick, but like 
for me, it's just, it's super handy to be able to be like, oh shit, I need to make a fixture or a tool to yeah. make my life easier. I want to work on it now. Definitely. And I have some tools. Definitely important to have some, some like, uh, old standards, you know, like this is, yeah, these, yeah. these tools always work for me. So I'll keep a couple on hand. I wouldn't go th- if I was, you know, even tooling up the Haas, we have 30 mm-hmm. uh, tool positions in our in tool changer. And we've only yeah. bought 10 uh, end mills, or sorry, 10 um, tool holders so far. 10, you know, a call it for each because we kind of know what we're working, what we are doing with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like to buy a bunch of different random stuff uh, that you just to have is expensive, especially when you can go onto Mario Tools website or Lakeshore Carbide's website and just buy it and have it here that week or like in a yes. couple of days. Yeah. If, if you're not in a huge hurry, I would, I would buy as little as possible, as little as I can to get by and then yeah. add, start adding stuff over time just, just for cash purposes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I would buy, you know, so if you buy like five or six holders to begin with, keep those as your like prototyping tools. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you need to add a new tool for production, you know, buy another tool. That's a great idea. Keep, keep those extra, keep those original tool holders free because at some point you're going to need to make a fixture or whatever. You're going to need tool holders and tools to do that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, like I always try to make sure I have some extra you know right now i'm actually like short on tool holders i mean i've got a big order in my car with marital um and it's such a pain in the ass to be like making fixtures and having to like <laughs> pull one tool out oh, of the, yeah. the carousel change the collets change the whatever change put it back in the same pocket and then like your program doesn't make any sense because you're just like running one op mm-hmm. with tool 16 but tool 16 was a drill and now it's an end mill and then it's going to be a re you know, it's just dumb. So, okay. So what are the, your most common tool diameters that you use? Uh, like I said, like, uh, one eighth, one quarter, three sixteenths, three eighths, half, you know, like if you have like, uh, one of each of those in four flute, one of each of those in two flute, one of each of those in ball nose, one of each of those in square, um, you know, plus like a set of drills, then like that'll, that'll cover you. Yeah. And just one, you know, one good long drill mill chuck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not get a drill chuck? Nick wants you to get it. So. <laughs> First tool um, you should get. Yeah. There you go. Well, and like the other thing in, that I find interesting is you guys probably don't even own a vice. No. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, for for most machinists, a vice is like the first thing you get. What, yeah. You don't have a vice. Like what the, what the fuck? Are you doing? I do want one. So, they're very handy to have yeah yeah i mean you you guys probably won't use them very often but like i mean even i like until earlier this year i hadn't had my vice on my machine for like a year. yeah you have a nice orange vice don't you yeah yeah so like i'm not sure that i would spend they're expensive they are quite expensive. I got a good deal on mine because it was like early on in Orange's history, and like I kind of know Eric the, or I knew Eric the owner, um, and so yeah, it just worked out. But like for the amount that I use my vice, I'm not sure that I would spend like Orange vice money on it. But what are the other options? I mean, honestly, like you can go to Shah's or something and get like a cheap Chinese made vice. Okay. It's not going to be anywhere near as good. Right. And but the the real reason that you buy a good vice is for repeatability. 
like you know that when you tighten that down every single time that fixed jaw is staying in the same position mm. and your parts ending up in the same position if you're not doing like serial production then repeatability may not be as much of an issue right if you just want to hold a part you can indicate to know where it is it's exactly. going to hold it in you place know. i've been loving seeing what people are doing with these like pallets these um vice pallets mm. that's so mm -hmm. cool yeah and for a vice pallet you would definitely want really good repeatability yeah Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think a vice is pretty essential for most people, not for you guys, Nick, because you're just doing very different stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that like sky's the limit, you know, it's like Chinese made shahs and then there's Kurt and then there's like orange vice at the high end. Yeah. I really like my orange vice, but like, I don't, I don't know if I was paying full price now, if I would do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, do like nice things I think, though. I me too, man. But yeah, I think that I mean that kind of covers the basics really for tooling up a new mill. Mm. Um Yeah, and then just like random taps and I wouldn't go crazy on buying thread mills unless you know you can use them. Cuz they're so expensive. Yeah. What else champ yeah, a good chamfer bit. Yes. Yep, chamfer mills. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be something more. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the, kind of the final thing is like, don't don't blow all your money buying yeah. everything that you can think of right off the start because there's always going to be more. Well, it's like uh, you know, we we have a certain budget for for tooling at the Haas. We we haven't right. been we haven't been spending it, which I mean, we can. But yeah, that's because you're a cheap bastard <laughs> and you're buying one drill truck at a time, yeah. one in the. I'm gonna have thirty drill trucks, yeah, in yeah. Uh, in the Haas. No, it's like we, you know, we want to just be, we want to kind of get everything up and running, and then we can start really dialing shit in. And part yeah. of that is upgrading our tooling. So yeah. use kind of it's like proofing out programs. You don't really want to throw your this brand new beautiful like. Uh, uh, insert copy mill in to yeah not not when you're learning the machine yeah yeah like if you've gotten to the point where you learn you've learned the machine you know six months from now if you're not comfortable chucking a brand new tool in yeah then something's wrong yeah, yeah, totally. you know what i mean like at some point you have to get comfortable but like at the beginning yeah, just to I get it. just to, to make those first chips and get comfortable yeah i'm yeah. not gonna i'm not putting in like <laughs> some really expensive yeah. stuff no, I totally get it. One thing I was going to say about tooling, actually. So I don't know if you get this, but I've been getting like two emails a day from Haas. Uh, I get a lot of emails from Haas. Yeah. For like their tooling and everything. Yeah, which, which you can't even buy in Canada right now. Right now, yeah. But you know what? One, one thing that really pisses me off about that is like, so they sent me an email today saying like Haas, the US leader of, mill, of mills and tooling. Their tooling isn't made in the US. It's made in China. Is that right, though? It, yeah, 100%. I checked on the website a bunch of places. All of it that I could find was all made in China. Huh. And they're like undercutting companies like Maritool on pricing, positioning themselves as like a US manufacturer and selling Chinese tool holders. Interesting. And that pisses me off a lot. You know, like I'm sure the quality's fine, whatever, but like. It's just an, uh, yeah. Uh, it, they're just an importer now. Yeah, and like a company like Haas that are so big, you can't tell me that they couldn't have set up their own manufacturing line for tool holders. I mean, and they should. Their whole thing is U.S. made and like... Yeah, 
hundred percent, man. So I was really disappointed about that because, like, I'm, you know, I'm pleased that they make their machines in the U.S. I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure why they decided to, you know. Well, see, I mean, maybe they're just trying to create a, the brand before they buy, you know, a bunch of expensive Walter grinding machines or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the 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 pessimist in me says that maybe they're trying for the Walmart effect, where they come into the market, undercut everybody else with inexpensive, like really set cheap the prices. price, the bar real low for price, and then yeah, once they've driven the other people out, you know, maybe they raise the prices a little. Ah, interesting. Right? Like that's what Walmart often does. But anyway, I can't speak to Haas's motives. Like you know, with all their other stuff, they've been really good. I think so. Yeah. Well, the hopefully that's not the best case, form of like, protest is not buying. Which is yes, not even an option not. for us. Well, I mean, it's tempting, you know, like it really is because like they're selling like five, what well, they're doing a deal at the moment where they have five ER collet uh, holders for the price of four. So that's like four, yeah. sorry, that's five ER collet chucks for like 200 bucks US um, or 250, which is uh, like, that's a bit crazy. Sorry, you're talking about the tool holder? Yeah. Five for $250? Or less than two hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! I think it's like two hundred and ten, two hundred. Yeah, you know, if it had been if it had been an option for us, just because we were buying a Haas machine, just probably a practical decision mm-hmm. would have been to just buy it, buy them from them. Yeah, um, and I, honestly, it just it you know it bugs me like knowing Frank, knowing Marital, and how hard they've worked on making very reasonably priced made in the U.S. Yeah, tools. they are. It well bugs priced. me that you know that somebody else would come in and in, undercut them with with chinese made stuff and not be super upfront about yeah you know, oh they're made in china like i think they're they're not hiding it but they're not exactly advertising it right either. well it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for them if the, the quality holds up because people are picky especially you know when it comes to like tooling up their machinery yeah yeah but you know you know how the the wallet is right it's yeah. always if you can save a buck, most people will do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at how much like a shunt tool holder costs, though. It is like a hydraulic tool holder. It's like 400, 500 bucks. Yes. Yeah, they are really expensive. Um, so if you're trying to, if you're like, oh, we need to hold a tenth of mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, you're gonna there's put always it? someone to, willing to spend the money for the quality, right? Yeah. In so, the speed yeah. of, of a hydraulic versus... Well, now, now I've just changed like this topic altogether, but those are cool. <laughs> Mark has a, a hydraulic um, uh, tool, like, you know, like the with the handle for, mm-hmm. I forget what size, but yeah, the that's so cool. Just squishes it. That's not how I thought it worked. <laughs> just So for Scott, let's go. Let's get back on task. You for need a, so for Scott. a hydraulic tool holder. <laughs> uh, yeah, go go really expensive right off the bat. Yeah, like e, I think ER collet chucks, uh, a bunch of uh, ER collets, a drill chuck. <laughs> get a drill chuck. I'm not going to die on that hill. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, like a vice. If you're only doing onesie twosie stuff for fixtures, then you probably don't need the best vice in the world. But I'll leave that up to you. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like you know, uh, a T slot cleaner, uh, vacuum or something to like clean chips out of the machine. 
I know a lot, most guys use air blast. I hate doing that because it just blow chips into the tool changer, which I really hate. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. And then, you know, you'll, you'll spend the next five years buying more shit. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there's always something to get. Yeah. Uh, was there any other questions? That was it for today, okay. I think. Yeah, so we could probably call that a show, seeing as we've waffled on for quite a while. Yes, that might be one of our longer episodes, even though we started this saying, let's keep it tight. <laughs> That's fine. Like, I, you know, I would love to get more feedback and questions from, from listeners. Like, I, I, you know, I had someone today ask me, like, oh, are you going to do um, window pane machine on that? And I was like, what the hell is that? You know, so I got to learn a new thing. I love questions because it drives me to learn new stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, bring on the questions, bring on the comments. And, and yeah, like I, I like the format where we have a couple of segments and then we do questions and, and ramble. So we'll try to stick to that going forward. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. And, oh, I think that um, I was going to mention, if you want to follow us on Instagram, that's mm-hmm. we're pretty both fairly active um you yeah. can follow uh me at frank underscore brothers yep and aaron is aaron with two a's at the front a-a-r-o-n dot goff g-o-u-g-h yep and then we also have an instagram for the podcast itself which is xyz dot cnc mm-hmm. so yeah you can send messages to us on anyone we tend to like keep our own stuff on our own accounts and then we'll shit post on the the xyz account um, yeah i've been meaning to pop some stuff up on that so but in the meantime yeah give us a follow yeah absolutely especially nick go and talk shit to him yeah Good. all right well i think that's a show uh, i hope everyone has a fantastic week and we will see you again next week see ya Outro music here. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.